This is the UNC Coaches Show, presented by Bank of Colorado, a Northern Colorado's voice. 103.1 and 1310 KFKA. Here's Blake Olson and Matt Gator. And good Tuesday evening from Wes Greeley and the GOAT. This is the UNC Coaches Show. Thank you very much for tuning in on this special night. Typically, we're here on Tuesday. Tonight, it's a special show on Wednesday at 6 o'clock. From here on out, Tuesday, 6.30. So mark it on your calendars, all UNC Bears fans. Matt Gator is not here tonight. He has a special assignment. I think he's at the Avalanche game tonight. That's so we're a gonna, fun one. Yeah, we're going to give him a little excuse here. Uh, the voice you just heard is Lindsey Oates, the legendary head volleyball coach at UNC. And, Coach, I can't wait to talk to you. I've never had an opportunity uh, to talk about your life and your career and your team. So uh, welcome to the show, and thanks a lot for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. No doubt. The pride of Eaton, Colorado, one of the, <laughs> one of the great uh, Reds out there making her way in the, in the big world of volleyball and college volleyball. What I, I forgot or I didn't know, I may have heard this along the way, but you played at LSU. You went from Eaton, Colorado to LSU to Baton Rouge. How did you make that decision? And wow, what, a, what an accomplishment to be able to play volleyball in the SEC. Yeah, it couldn't have been more of a change too, from small town Eaton, Colorado to the Bayou. Uh, but I loved it. And you know, just through the recruiting process of playing club, I was playing all over the country, traveling to tournaments. And so coaches saw me. It ended up mostly being recruited by Southern coaches, kind of in the Southeast, Tennessee, Alabama. Those were some of the schools I I looked at. Um, Ultimately, I decided on LSU. I went to a football game and I went, okay, sign me up. This is pretty fun. Uh, But I also have an aunt and uncle that live in Baton Rouge. So to have family close, they're from Colorado, but had relocated there uh, about 10 years before I went to college. And so it was nice to have family close and had a great experience, had lots of injuries, so it wasn't like the, the all-star career I had maybe hoped for, but okay. uh, it was still a great experience. Well, so when you go to, from Eaton, at that time you were, what, 2A, 3A, I'm sure, still 3A. back in that mm-hmm. time. What, because you played club volleyball, you were able to be seen, I would imagine. If you didn't have that, would you have been uh, recruited by LSU? Have you ever thought about that? Probably not. Uh-huh. During the fall season, college coaches don't have the time to be out Correct. out of state looking at prospects. Um, it's the same for us today. We see in-state prospects, but I can't be flying all over during the fall season <laughs> to see prospects. And so it happens in the off season, which is when we play club volleyball and you go to the national tournaments where there's players from all over the country and all the college coaches are at those big tournaments. So having experienced that, going to a totally different culture and environment, different state, uh, there are advantages for both uh, athletes who stay at home and leave home. What do you advise uh, young volleyball players and their parents in that situation? Does it just kind of depend on the kid? Absolutely. It definitely depends on the kid. There are Uh players that we recruit, and I think they need to get away. This would be great for them to gain some independence. (laughs) And and then there's other ones that just love to stay home. They want that security. They can thrive right where they're at and don't feel the need. You know, it doesn't mean it's better just because it's away. Um, And so it really depends on the kid and the family 
of what they're looking for. And there's pros and cons both ways. My parents didn't get to see me play a whole lot. That's the disadvantage. But to experience a different culture and Mm -hmm. something way different um, was really fun that I wouldn't have experienced if I had stayed here. And obviously I've been back, so I'm I'm, I'm a homebody, but you get to experience (laughs) something different for four or five years and you can always return home. So when did you find out that you were going to be a volleyball player or that you love the game? How old were you? When did you start playing? Well, in first grade, they asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And at one point, I said, I want to be a volleyball coach. Is that so right? It was always in the back of my head. <laughs> uh, but certainly as I got to, like, high school and even college, that wasn't at the forefront. I thought I wanted to be in sports broadcasting, as I had uh-huh. just mentioned to you off air, and um, was going that route. It's part of the reason I chose LSU is they had a top five program in the country and uh, worked at a TV station my final semester of college and as I'm in the the real work I went this isn't for me <laughs> it was fun to be an intern you made the right decision it was not what I envisioned of this is a, this just isn't for me it was hard as a female in that yeah. field uh-huh. and uh you know we were covering LSU football and the off season and lots of LSU baseball it was really enjoyable but I as I looked at the work that wasn't what I wanted to do long term <laughs> what was um, the, what was the station that you entered I was at, at WAFB okay. in Baton Rouge those yep. guys are still there yeah um, Steve Steve Schneider and Jacques Doucet are still the anchors <laughs> and the reporters there and they were wonderful mentors and uh, like I said I really enjoyed the internship but as graduation was approaching in a few months I knew I'm going to graduate with a degree that I want no part of. <laughs> so um, what could I do? Let, let's try coaching for a year. And my college coach had kind of prompted that and said, hey, you'd be a better coach than a player, is which is right? not a compliment when you're in the middle of your playing <laughs> career. <laughs> but I had had so many injuries. She just meant I could see the game better than I could physically play it mm-hmm. at the time that, I, that my body was allowing me to do. And so I thought, well, I'll try it for a year and, Started off at Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Loved it. Had a great experience. Um, and obviously have been doing it ever since. So 22 years of college coaching. So as a young coach, when you're just a year uh, removed from actually playing, how difficult is that to coach up college players when they're the same age as you? Yeah. There were some fifth-year seniors on the team that were my age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but it was a great experience. I think that was a good fit for me at Samford. It was a good fit based on my faith. I loved that connection. Yes. It was a Christian school and was able to connect with them being close to their age. Um, and so that's an advantage um, coming off of my playing career. I think, you know, LSU was a, a little bit of a step above Samford at the time. Mm-hmm. And so that helped as well. I'd played at a little bit higher level than what I was coaching and could kind of um, – lead them. And you don't have to be an expert as a coach. That's the other thing. Sometimes you're just another set of eyes to be an observer and tell them what you're seeing. That's still true as I'm, you know, 20 years into coaching. Yeah. I'm not an expert. I, I just, I'm going to tell you what I see based on my experience. And that's what I was doing at age 23 as well. So that hasn't changed a lot, but there have to be differences uh, from two decades ago coaching. How has it changed? Uh, what has changed in college volleyball coaching? Well, there's been more change, I would say, in the last three or four years mm-hmm. than in the, the previous 15 with the transfer portal. Um, that has changed college athletics. NIL in the last year or two is changing it and will continue to change it drastically in the next 
few years. So is there as much movement in volleyball as there is in basketball and football? There's not. Not okay. near as much as in football and basketball, but there is still quite a bit of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we're looking at grad transfers because they're allowed to be in the transfer portal. Uh, and so that's a, that's a big chunk of my time right now, even as we're in season. Absolutely. Is I'm watching film on those grad transfers because we are trying to pick them up over Christmas break. It's going to happen fast before uh, in the next month we will get those kids on campus, do the whole recruiting process with transfer athletes. And this was, a, I think, a big week for you as far as recruits. I think you signed three players this week. So how do you recruit them now? How is that different when, when you're not certain how long they're going to be here? You can't yeah. just say four years anymore. Yeah, I would say for volleyball and mm-hmm. for our culture, that is still pretty normal. Okay. We're not losing kids. Thank goodness. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, we really can trust that they're they're going to be with us for the long term. Um, you know, we've only lost two kids in the last 10 years that are going wow. on to other programs. So that's great. That's not um, – it's not near as bad as basketball where sure. they're just moving around to play. There's not a next level for us right now. So they're not trying to position themselves to play – in the NBA or, you know, whatever the pro situation right. is. There's not as near as much money with NIL, so they're not trying to position themselves for hundreds of thousands of dollars. They just want a great experience. They want their degree. Sometimes players will transfer for playtime issues. Like, sure. they, just, they just want a better opportunity. And so those are the, some of the transfers that you see. And then we're still seeing a lot of grad transfers, as I said. So they're, because of that COVID extra eligibility year, mm. I think this will be the last year where we see a lot of grad transfers They've already graduated or or gone to in December and are looking for a new place for grad school. You're listening to Lindsay Oates, the head coach, head volleyball coach at the University of Northern Colorado. Now, I may be incorrect here, but four-time Big Sky Conference Coach of the Year. You may you may have five or six. I'm not certain. Uh, I honestly I know don't you're even not know. Counting. I don't track those. <laughs> I know our championships, but I don't I, know. I the kind other of awards. expected that. <laughs> Uh, Ten BC uh, Big Sky uh, Conference championships, six trips to the NCAA tournament. Now, you're a mother now, and you have a second grader and a fourth grader, girl and a boy. How do you look at athletics now? Is it any different than prior to being a mother? Uh, I, w- I would say I see my athletes a little bit different. Is you that know, right? I tell the, the parents that, and I you know wish I'd have always had that perspective, but I don't know that you can replace being a mother until you really are to just there's things I maybe would have said that were insensitive and I think man if that's my kid I wouldn't want somebody to say that to him it wasn't personal it wasn't you know interesting too crazy but just you see him as your own kid how would I want my own kid to be coached would I want to be coached would I want my daughter to be coached by myself right and that's that's a big um thing in the back of my head now and I am coaching my daughter's second grade team so it's our very going? first experience we're like three <laughs> practices in and uh, my first taste of coaching my own kid and it's fun yeah I mean it's so different than what I do for the afternoon practices and then the evening practices are quite different from division one to second grade but uh, it's fun and it it gives me that perspective too but it should be fun at our afternoon practices too if it's not fun we're not doing it right 
it should be enjoyable. It's a sport. What wears you out more, your college coaching or the second grade? The second uh, graders. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There is a lot of energy in that gym, a lot you of know, screaming. <laughs> I'll never forget this. Uh, Dan Issel, the great uh, Denver Nugget Hall of Famer. Okay, we're, I'm coaching my, uh, one of my sons, <laughs> and his grandson was playing at the same time. And I had known Dan from altitude, working in altitude. So the Hall of Famer walks in. And he's and he comes over and just starts laughing at me and he goes, Now you know what coach is. You thought it was all about the NBA. And and he's right. He's like he said, There is no way I could do this. I it is I mean, it's just like being a parent. I mean, I think it's good training for people who want to be a high school coach or a middle school coach. I think you should have to coach second and third and fourth graders. I agree. And it's all about the (laughs) fundamentals, right? Yeah, exactly. If you don't know the fundamentals, you shouldn't be coaching the sport. And you have to know the very basics when you're teaching a second grader. It's It's their first exposure to the sport. I'm teaching them the rules and the very basics, which is kind of fun to go back to that elementary level of the sport that's awesome lindsey oates head volleyball coach at unc we're going to come back on the unc coaches show from the goat in west greeley come on out we've got door prizes gonna uh, pick the right number here we've got some prizes for all the bears fans out here ed lamb is coming out the head uh, football coach at 6 30 we'll get you ready for the final regular season game coming up this saturday against portland state stay with us right here on 103 1 and 1310 kfk and welcome back to the unc coaches show here at the goat in west greeley on 103.1 and 13.10 kfk lindsey oates head coach unc volleyball here with us legendary coach and uh we've been talking about her career and i'm fascinated she went from eaton to lsu to baton rouge she was uh, thinking about getting into this business. Thankfully, she did not. She made the right decision, and she's one of the greatest volleyball coaches in the country in college volleyball right now. And let's talk about your team, Coach, as the fan. Yeah, you can clap for Hey, we got a bunch of Bears fans. The Larsons are here, and a bunch of other Bears fans enjoying the GOAT here in West Greeley as we get ready for the weekend of activity. Tomorrow night, let's see. First of all, coming off two victories on the road. Tell me about those two wins. Yes, so we were at Idaho and then at Eastern Washington. Um, Those two matches back-to-back, so it was good to get a a road sweep. Um, We've won our last five, and so hopefully have some good momentum going into our final homestand this coming week against Idaho State and Weber State. And tomorrow night, uh, that's Idaho State. It, it is military night, so get out and support the Bears. What makes this group uh, of Bears on your team uh, special or unique? Or maybe when you look at them, you're tied for second in the standings in the Big Sky Conference. Is there anything different about them that says, hey, you know what, we can make a, we can make a move here uh, coming up tournament time? Yeah, I definitely believe we can make a move here at tournament time. We've won three of the last four, and I think that's what—we—that's our advantage right now. That's what we have going for us is that some of those upperclassmen have been there and been in that situation. We've come from behind. We've had to, um, you know, win three matches in a row. I think that's a big piece of the Big Sky Tournament right. is that it is 
three nights in a row. That's rare. That's taxing on your body. It's hard mentally to sustain a high level for three nights in a row. So leadership there and uh, having some veteran leadership that has done that before is going to be really key because freshmen, sophomores, new to the court, they don't quite get how hard that is to win the tournament. And so our upperclassmen were led by uh, Sid Cole as a senior. Uh, She still has one more year of eligibility, but she's been our starter for two years now in the tournament. Kinsey Harris from Eaton is a fifth-year senior. Um, It's two-time Big Sky Tournament MVP. So she has played her best volleyball come tournament time. And so we're hoping she'll do that again (laughs) this year. Um, And then two other fifth-year seniors on the floor, Cece Hoon and uh, Michaela Boone, our libero. So uh, Cole, Sid Cole, named the Big Sky Conference Offensive Player of the Week. What makes her a great player? Well, as our setter, she's the quarterback of the team. She's got a Mm -hmm. lot on her plate to see what's going on defensively on the other side of the net, Mm -hmm. see which hitter we should be setting, and then deliver it and execute it. She stays calm. Uh, (laughs) She's really athletic, so the game comes easy to her, which helps. Um, and then she just keeps getting better throughout her career. And so she's, I'm glad we have another year for her, with her. But even in the last two weeks, I've seen significant improvement and our offense is really starting to click. Now, her name sounds familiar. Chaparral? Is that? Is Cherokee word? Trail. Cherokee Trail. Yes, so she's That's from our why. area. Mm-hmm. That is why her name sounds familiar. Okay. So getting those, those local products from Eaton, Northern Colorado, and even in Douglas County and, and Aurora and uh, in Arapahoe County, that's, that would be big, I would imagine, for you. It is. We have two of our other starters are both from Grandview High School, Izzy Bennett and Gabby Placide, uh, a freshman and a sophomore who are in our starting lineup mm. from Grandview. So we do have uh, <laughs> quite a bit of Colorado talent on the our roster and in our there. starting lineup. It is, yes. Hopefully we can keep it going we just signed another one from rock canyon high school Addie waller a setter coming in and then two out-of-state girls but um we're excited to keep recruiting colorado because uh, it's a good uh you know high talent for volleyball we have players played at top five schools from our state that right. you know we're not able to keep those kids but certainly even that next level can help us be competing in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I was going to ask you, even though the population of Colorado is still, quote-unquote, sparsely populated compared to California, East Coast, and and a lot of the West Coast uh, programs, Colorado is, I mean, when you step back and look at the numbers, it's kind of elite, isn't it, for volleyball, when you when you take a look at the numbers? it It depends on how you look at it. You know, five to ten years ago, it was one of the best. Was per it? capita, um, it was in the top three of players going Division One. Okay. It's been a little bit down since then, um, but it, it's still a good good volleyball Why state. Why do you think that is? My personal opinion on that is uh-huh. there's too many clubs, and so the talent <laughs> is getting spread out. That's what I was They're getting. not getting trained getting by yeah. the best coaches because then that talent level spreads out as well. Um, uh-huh. And they're not competing against the best talent every day in practice. And so um, there's no easy answer to that. But right. too many clubs. <laughs> no question. Well, where I used to live, I used to see every warehouse that came up, I felt like there was a volleyball club being exactly. built. I mean, it, so it wasn't Especially just me. Especially in South Denver. There are so <laughs> many. Because if they didn't make the top team, they were going to go start their own club at a warehouse down the street. And so... Uh, Yes, and it's right. starting to happen that way in northern Colorado. It's very Is saturated it? with good clubs, but not 
elite because sure. they're not keeping the best talent at one particular club. Now, you mentioned playing three straight in the Big Sky uh, tournament. It, so that's rare in Division One uh, volleyball. Uh, the other conferences, we don't see that. It's, it's a lot like like basketball where they're playing every other night, correct? Correct, yes. That is very rare. The Big Sky likes to have eight teams make the tournament, eight out mm-hmm. of ten. Um, and so that requires a three-day tournament. Like the Mountain right. West, for example, only has six, so that shortens that a little bit. But um, it is what it is. I think we're sure. ready for it. We play a lot of back-to-back <laughs> matches where most teams in our conference don't, but I choose to play back-to-back like we just did at Eastern Washington and Idaho to prepare our team for this run. So you're not, obviously you want to have the highest seed and be in the best position possible. But at the same time, you want to make sure your team is just playing the best that, th- that they can at that point of the season. Absolutely. Correct? It's all about the tournament. So it's, okay. can we be playing our best volleyball Thanksgiving week? Um, okay. The advantage to being the number one seed is you get to host the conference tournament the following year. And so that's why we're hosting this year is by winning the regular season last year in 2022. So that's the advantage. But for the current year, there is no advantage to being the number one seed. You're going to play the same number of matches. There's no buys. Uh, So Sacramento State will likely lock up the championship this year and we'll be the number two seed if we can win both matches on the other side of the bracket. Excellent. Okay, so Idaho State tomorrow night, military night. Uh, What's the best thing about Idaho State? What do you have to do to beat them? Well, that's one of our tough losses this year. So Mm -hmm. that's a, a... a revenge match essentially we've got to get them back they'll probably they're coming in probably as round as the sixth seed coming into the tournament um but they're really aggressive they just are a go for it team and so when it's clicking they're really tough to beat the reason they're six is that it's not always clicking um but it certainly was when we played them at their place and um we we need to win that match just for preparation for the tournament not even yeah. you know, in terms of our wins and losses, but playing at a high level in preparation for the tournament. Well, Coach, great to meet you. Thanks nice to meet you. Thank you very much for coming on the UNC Coaches Show. I'm sure you've done this a thousand times, but it was a pleasure to meet you for the first time and talk to you, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll have a good crowd Absolutely. Out for next week and a half. Get out and support Lindsay Oates and her Bears coming up tomorrow night and Saturday night on the UNC campus. Coach, thanks again, and thank you for listening. We're going to have much more coming up on the UNC Coaches Show. Head Coach Ed Lamb from the football team headed over here uh, from the practice field. We'll talk to him about the final game coming up this Saturday at Nottingham Field uh, at noon kickoff. Stay with us. You're listening to the UNC Coaches Show on 1031 and 1310 KFK. And welcome back to Wes Greeley and the GOAT. Still have time to come on out. We heard from Lindsay Oates, the head volleyball coach at UNC. And now time for football talk with UNC head football coach Ed Lamb. Coach, good to see you. I'm, I'm happy you came on Wednesday because I was thinking about this tonight. I, I said I should text coach just to make sure he knows that it's Wednesday and not Tuesday because I almost forgot. Hey, I had it on the calendar. I'm ready to go. I'm never excited about following Coach Oates. That's a, <laughs> that's a cl- classy, very successful coach right there. And uh, 
but uh, glad to be on the show. Well, she is. She is a legend. Amazing how you how you're able to have that much success and, you know, in that stretch of time is pretty impressive. Yep, absolutely. A model of consistency. She takes her job very seriously. She's she's one of our uh, pseudo administrators. So I've I've enjoyed her leadership and uh, getting to know her just as a peer and a colleague. And she's really a a strength for our whole department. Well, Coach, you had uh, your really uh, second-to-last difficult practice, I guess you could say, probably the most physical practice of the week tonight. How did, how did everything go in the, these first two uh, Tuesday and Wednesday practices? Yeah, you know, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Our, our practice all year, our practice habits have been fantastic. It's, uh, I, I think that the team comes out, they come to work every week, and it, uh, I think it's led to, um, you know, in a, a competitive effort in the games. We're just, you know, that the, the uh, the losses have stacked up, but I, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't come away from any of our games feeling like that our guys weren't prepared, that they didn't try hard, uh, that they didn't bring it their all every week. You know, I've been part of many games in my career where, where you, you walk off the field of shame. You know, you've lost by 50 points and you, you yeah. weren't competitive and you wonder, what did, what did we do wrong? How did we prepare wrong? How did, we, how did we call the game wrong? Were the players not into it? These guys have shown up every week, played their guts out. I'm proud to be their coach. I'm not proud of the record. Uh, but uh, certainly proud of their effort. 28-7 loss to NAU Northern Arizona in Flagstaff. What did you see that you did like in that game when you looked at the video? Uh, you know, I, I, think, I think most of our season now has taken a, a shade. I, I think the first three games, uh, we, were, we were a few weeks behind our opponents. We were just mm. not ready to play in the first couple of weeks there of the season but uh you know we, we close i think we closed the gap we came into conference played very competitively in all of our games um and and we've seen a consistent pattern now where we're just not able to generate enough offense to you know to win the game we're, we're hanging around we're, we're playing good on defense we're getting stops you know we're not the top defense in the league but we're very competitive we're, we're certainly not in the bottom uh, part of the league either defensively and our special teams have been outstanding all year i thought both of those were true against nau you know, we're, we're down to our third quarterback. I'm really proud of the way Shea approaches the game. He pours his all into it. And I am you know, proud to win or lose with our guys uh, in that I know that they're going to give their best effort. And that's, that's really all I can ask. Yeah. And what was encouraging with Shea and that offense, I would imagine that 12-play, 75-yard drive, things are working and things are clicking the way you want to see them. Yep, no question about it. Yeah, we, we we're able to get an explosive play or two on a drive. We're able to get our run game going. That's the success for us. That's the key to success for us all season long. Those are the drives that end up as scoring drives. We need to put together more of those this Saturday. Dustin Johnson, one of the defensive players, along with uh, Jordan Kanapke, they continue to fly around, make tackles. I mean, it just does not quit with the effort. And that is that's not easy to do when you're a defensive player. Yep, there's no question about it. Yeah, we, we call it, uh, you know, over the years that the defensive coaches and I have been, we've put a lot of years in together, coaching on different staffs. Some of those yeah. guys played for me. And, um, you know, one of the things you always have to be on guard for on defense is, is playing demoralized defense. Offensively, there's always, mm. there's always a goal. You see, you see teams all the time, they're down by 40 points, they score a touchdown, they're celebrating like they won the game. There's, and that's great. There's, there's reason to celebrate all good things. Defensively, 
it's a lot like the offensive line. It's just about winning the game. Yeah. And so you can very quickly, you know, succumb to playing demoralized defense if, if you're not in the game. And I think our defensive guys have battled that all year and just taken pride in their, in their own ability to just play as, as solid as they can on defense. And at the same time, uh, the offensive line, plenty of pride, but they have to feel demoralized as well. These guys want to create uh, lanes to run through. They want to protect the quarterback. It just hasn't happened, and they've had to deal with a lot of adversity this season again. Yeah, the, the biggest, uh, you know, I mean, now that we're getting late in the season, I don't like to focus on injuries. You know, the yeah. guys that we have are the best guys, and they're ready to go, and they're healthy. But, you know, I, I think it is appropriate to, to talk about three, there were three um, you know, three of our best offensive linemen we, that, that we lost with, with uh, Aiden Moe and Isaiah Sierra. That was going to be our starting left tackle and our yeah. starting center going into the season. Uh, lost Isaiah in the spring football, and, and we'll have him back uh, next year. Lost uh, Aiden Moe really in game one. He kind of sure. limped for another game or two and, and played some sparing snaps before he decided to get the surgery. And then... Uh, and then uh, Justin Michael was uh, slated as a starter for us at right tackle, and he ended up going out early in the season as well mm-hmm. and hasn't been available. So that, you know, th- th- I don't say that, that that's not an excuse. You know, every team deals with injuries, but I think our offensive line has dealt with an exceptional number of injuries from the starting group yeah. and the, the way that they've responded and just played hard and believed in each other and, you know, have taken all the criticism and uh, just keep showing up every week. I'm proud of them for that. Yeah, you bring up Sierra. That is a great point because we forget about him. But the only reason I remember him, he is at practice every day. I love to see his face, and you can tell he is dialed into the program, at least from my perspective. Is that true? Yeah, I'll give give you an example. I'll hold off on the on the long story, but we, <laughs> no, go so ahead. We've got, you, you've we've, got time. <laughs> there, there, there's a couple of guys on our team that have also suffered ACL injuries, right? And and it doesn't matter what what, what I tell them. You know, is like, hey, if, if you're if you're temporarily can't move from the neck down, you're going to come in and do eyebrow lifts in the weight room. Like you always keep showing up, right? But we had a couple of guys that had ACL injuries and have missed now upwards of 50 training sessions. Wow. Isaiah Sierra had an ACL injury and missed one. Wow. For his, one for his surgery. Amazing. And, yeah, and so that and, – and That's amazing. I did not know that. Yeah, and you know that, you know, I mean, when, when a lot of coaches are taking over right now, new programs, it's like they're flipping the whole roster. Yeah. I made a commitment to Darren Dunn. I made a commitment to Andy Feinstein. We were going to do it and compete with the guys who are here. And so everybody has gotten a year now. And so some of these things now yeah. – now the roster could flip pretty significantly sure. in the next few weeks. Sure. And that's something that the, the players probably need, and, and it's something that the program needs. So you're anticipating that? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, you know, we, we, um, we yeah, we, we did not come in and evaluate all the talent, decide who needs to be here and who doesn't. We specifically told the boys, we're going to develop each one of you and see if you're right for this program, okay. and we want you to judge us as well and see if we're right for you. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I think that's the only way to go about it, and I appreciate you doing it that way. And we're going to continue talking with head coach Ed Lamb from UNC Bears football after this on the UNC Coaches Show from Wes Greeley and the GOAT on 103.1 and 13.10 KFKA. Stay with us. All right. 
right, welcome back to Wes Greeley and the GOAT and the UNC Coaches Show with head coach Ed Lamb as we talk UNC football. Final regular season game of the year coming up at 12 noon at Nottingham Field. First uh, noon kickoff, coach. So how do you prepare for that? Do anything different other than eat breakfast earlier, or what do you do? No, there's really really nothing you can do preparation-wise. Uh, we do have a regular count back, whether the game's at t- t- you know, 12 a.m. or 12 p.m. It's, you know, we have a pregame meal four hours before that. We have a certain number of meetings, offense, defense, special teams, et cetera, and, and we'll do that. But, um, you know, in, in pro football – your, your count back goes the whole week. You know, you, yeah. you change your practice time and everything. But but obviously our guys, their first priority is to be in class and yeah. uh, they're to be students first. And so we, we keep the same practice time all week through and we'll be ready to go on at noon. I have to commend you. Uh, some of the difficult things in FCS football and really in college football in general, when you're on the road, Things can go wrong, and there could be challenges. Uh, after the game, and no one was happy after the game, of course, we get to the airport, and the plane's battery is dead. Now, <laughs> I've seen a lot of things and heard a lot of things, but I have never heard of the plane's battery being dead. How yeah. about you? No, I didn't. I, didn't, I thought they were messing I thought uh, Eddie, the DFO, was messing with me, and then we got out and talked to the the charter representative and he said the same thing and you know i just made a joke i said what well, they leave they leave the radio on or something let <laughs> right. the lights on <laughs> yeah well, how does the battery run out on an yeah. airplane and then how can you not just just you know the 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 excuse of having you know to sit there for four or five more hours and sure. not be able to get a, a some type of charger in there was bizarre to me but um, that's yeah. what it was so. so we used another charger from another uh, plane, someone else's uh, plane, and that took a couple of hours. But uh, what I loved what you did, you, you just made an, an, an immediate decision. You said, all right, let's turn around. Uh, we're going to get something to eat. Or if, someone, if people want to get something to eat or ice cream yeah. or whatever, we're going to make the most of it. Yeah. And that's what you did. And I thought that was, it, it worked out very smoothly. I understand these are first world problems. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think all the players, you know, took it very well and they appreciated how you handled it. Yeah, I think it turned into a lot of times as coaches we're trying to find like activities like hey, should we take the guys bowl like how do we bond right. in an environment where we're not criticizing the players, correcting them all the time? Can we go take them to the movies? Can we take them to the water slides? Can we take them bowling? And I'm not really big on that kind of stuff. I I think it's like uh, it seems a little scripted and fake, and um, but but th- this wasn't scripted. It was just spontaneous, and it was like, okay, well, what are we going to do? The guys just ate. <laughs> you know, we always right. just ate after the exactly. game. Exactly. So we got to take them to eat. So hey, let's go get some ice cream. Yeah. Let's let's split up. Get some milkshakes. Uh, we I think we we're four different restaurants on walking distance. There, yep. we had the buses pull up, and you know, everybody just as I walked around, everybody was just having a good time and relaxing and talking to each other and making the best of the situation. Yeah, there's not much uh, you can do at that point. I did talk to four or five players who were concerned about the battery, <laughs> as as I was yeah. as well. <laughs> well. It'll be yeah in our collective memory, and you know these these young guys now I mean, they've got so much more information at their fingertips. They're yes. smarter than I was at that age. I don't think there's ever going to be a, a airline crew again 
that's going to run out of battery because I'm sure all of our guys are going to get off the plane and say, hey, turn off all the stuff. Make sure the battery's charged up. You know, like, That's right. Yeah, they're, they, they're going to be on top of it. No, they're going to remember that one. So thankfully, we arrived, I think, uh, at 11.30 at night, and it felt like you, you, know, you played a 6 o'clock game and ready for the next one. And the next one is Portland State. They've had their uh, challenges as well. They played very well a couple weeks ago. Uh, and they're definitely, they can be a very uh, challenging team to beat. We saw that last year uh, in Hillsborough, Oregon. What do you have to do to beat this team? It'll be about us first. I mean, you, you've seen the pattern. I mentioned it earlier. The, the pattern for us is the better we play on defense, the more we're going to be in the game and have a chance at the end. So we, that, it has to start with that for us. Coincidentally, uh, you know, for them, they're built around their offense. They're, I think they're the best rushing team in the in the conference. They, the statistics might not bear that out, but they they don't try to hide it. They're coming to run the football at you. I've known Coach Barnum for decades now. Yeah. You know, I've coached against him, sure. and uh, great, we're, we're we're good friends. I uh, got a lot of respect for the way he does things, and that's their identity. They're going to run the football, and if they can't run it, they're going to keep running it. And yeah. so that's how you beat them: is you, you stop the run. And, and obviously, you know, they're not. It's it's not a you know, it's not a six-year-old football team. They can drop back and throw the ball, too, and keep us sure. honest. We've got to play well in all phases. But we've got to play well on defense, stop the run, and then offensively we've got to find ways to get, the, you know, in second and short. We haven't been doing that enough. Coach Barnum is quite a character. I, guys like him are great for the game. I mean, yeah. you don't see it all the time, especially this day and age, but he seems kind of like your old-school uh, personality-type yeah. uh, coach. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he doesn't uh, – he doesn't take it uh, too seriously. Um, you know, he wants to, he wants to be seen as a as a casual coach. You know, the, the guy that preceded him, Nigel Burton, was was very yeah. intense and a very good recruiter, and uh, you know, uh, kind of guy that's you know firing players and, and coaches uh, left and right and bringing a lot of energy and was a good football coach. Yeah. He recruited an excellent roster, and when Barnum took over, at least my impression at that time, when he took over in 2015, uh, you know, his approach, his unique approach, his laid back style, really that team bought into that and that was the probably the best fcs offense that i've ever seen was his offense in 2015 they hung 70 points on north texas in a in a game guarantee game you know where they collected a three hundred thousand dollar check and beat them they beat washington state that year that was an outstanding football team it's the final week of college football how far ahead do you look look with your coaching staff you have to try to win this game but you're also we're at the end of well for the most part that first uh, wave of recruiting how is recruiting gone and the communication a lot of people forget that while you're coaching you're recruiting as well yep i mean you're you're juggling a lot of things yeah how has that gone this season yeah we're we're compartmentalized it it never really does uh it, it never does go away we're con- and to be recruiting, we have to constantly be evaluating our own roster. So every player on our current roster has a grade. You know, we, we, we know what their best potential is, or at least our evaluation of their highest potential in the future. We're working hard to do that, to build them up. At the same time, we're looking to replace the veteran players that will be moving on. We're looking to replace guys that don't seem like they're a good fit. And that has to do with, with you know, recruiting. And so you can't, you can't go out and recruit until you know what you need. Yeah. And so it's, it, it's a hand-in-hand relationship, those two dynamics. When you hear from high school players, what do they tell you they like about the, the program? Or do you hear that? Yeah, at, at this point, really, I mean, you know, the, 
the players that are going to choose UNC are the players that are looking for an opportunity. It's kind of like the coaches that are going to choose UNC. Like, yeah. you know, I, it, you have to want to come here and, and leave a legacy. This is not, you know, this is not BYU. BYU was winning long before I ever stepped foot around there, and they'll win after I leave, right? <laughs> this place here is a place where you step in, you do a tough job. In some cases, you do it with worn-out tools. Mm-hmm. Those are Kipling's words, not mine. <laughs> you, you do it with worn-out tools, and, and you, you leave a legacy. If you can uh-huh. get it done here, you leave a legacy, and that's players and coaches alike. Have you had individual meetings with every player or almost every player as we approach that period where the transfer uh, portal uh, uh, arrives or do you do, do that as a group yeah i like to do that spontaneous and unscripted yeah. you know it's it's on a bus ride it's in in, in an airport it's in a locker mm. room it's it's walking out to practice and, and yes yeah. yeah, developed better and better relationships with each one of our players there'll be some guys that uh, that surprise me and and stay there'll be some guys that are surprised that we think should move on um there'll be some guys that surprise me and leave you know yep. that's all coming but we've we've uh you know, we, I, I can, I can definitely feel good about the work that we've put in to develop relationships with each one of these guys and develop them as the best student athlete they can be. Head coach Ed Lamb, UNC Bears football coach. Thank you for everything this season. I appreciate it. It's thank been you. a joy. It's been a difficult season, of course, but it's going to get better. I know it is. Thank you very appreciate much for that, your time, and thank you for listening to the UNC Coaches Show. From the GOAT in Wes Greeley, Micah Kilpatrick, back at the mothership. Thank you. You're listening to 1031 and 1310 KFKA.